it is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. Laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Full work limited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. All right. Welcome to Out of the Blue from Maze and Brew, part of the SB Nation Podcast Network. The podcast with the ability to spin disaster into optimism better than the North Korean broadcast news. I am Jared Stormer of mazeandbrew.com. With me, as always, is Andy Bailey, my hetero life mate, also of mazeandbrew.com. Andy, you eastern horse lord, how you been? Been good, man. Cold, but Michigan basketball wore me up. Yeah, we're in a bit of a cold snap throughout the country, depending on where you're at, uh, handling it with different levels of success. Texas ain't built for this, as we, we've we learned recently, but, um, you know, at the same time, this doesn't happen very often. So, yeah, I hope you're all staying warm out there. Yeah, it's February for, you know, most of the country. It's like, yep, it's supposed to be a little chilly this time of the year, so suck it up. Right, exactly. And as you said, we had something <laughs> to uh, warm us up the other day. After three weeks off, their last game being played on January 22nd against Purdue, Michigan comes back in a game that no one would have faulted them for dropping after three weeks off. Uh, and they come out and get a victory over a very good Wisconsin team, 67-59. to This was huge because of the growth we witnessed during the game. Team came out kind of flat. Missing cues, missing assignments, rotations, just to look a little sluggish, like they'd had three weeks off. And then as we saw throughout the game, and especially in the second half, they quickly shook that rust off. And I think a lot of the credit goes to Jawan Howard. I'm going to come out and I'm going to sling a little heat, uh, maybe somewhere Ooh. around 87, 91 miles an hour here. Uh, this was Michigan's most impressive win of the season. 
Oh, I like this. Yeah, maybe not the quality of opponent, but to have three weeks off, to be down 14 in the first half, and to come back and win and absolutely dominate the second half, and to do it primarily with defense, because we know what this team can do offensively. They were not hitting their shots in the first half. They were hitting at a more uh, standard clip in the second half. But this, to me, was so impressive. And it, it starts at the top, like you said, with Juwan Howard. I mean, look at where the game turned. It turned with that elbow to Mike Smith and him drawing a play up to Mike Smith right after that. They get teed up on the sidelines, come back, and then after that, it was a different Michigan team. Was it? Michigan outscored them 40 to 20 in the second half. I'm just it's huge, just complete domination. And man, you, we were texting during the game. And I think you said it best. Like besides Juwan Howard, a lot of credit to Isaiah livers, just a, the rock of this team. I mean, throughout the season, but especially in this game, it was just the epitome of what he's meant to this Michigan basketball team all year. We did uh, on our podcast last week, talking about how he's one of the most efficient players in the big 10 in the last decade. And you see it again in a, in a night where really in the first half, nobody's shot was falling. Nobody was really getting it done in the first half. Uh, Isaiah Livers was once again steady. 8 of 16, 50% on field goal percentage. 4 of 7, above 50% on his three-point shots, including probably the biggest shot of the game late in the second quarter. Uh, seven rebounds and was great on defense and was just the guy that they went to time and time again when they needed a shot. Um, he was huge in this game, and without his leadership, we don't win. But without Hunter Dickinson, and especially Hunter Dickinson in the last 10 minutes where he owned the glass, we definitely don't win. No, Hunter Dickinson owned the glass, but more importantly, he owned offensive rebounds. He had five offensive rebounds in this game. That's, I believe, more than the rest of Michigan's team combined. <laughs> like, just completely took over them when the team needed him most. The drain clock, extra possessions. That's the stuff that wins you games in March. It is more than the rest of the team combined. He also had five blocks, which was more than the rest of the team combined. And I want to touch on this for a minute because we were talking a few podcasts ago um, about the ceiling of this team. And I said something along the lines, well, Hunter Dickinson's never going to be, you know, a, a massive shot blocker. He's not going to be that kid out of USC Mobley. Um, he's more like a Mason Plumley. Five blocks says different to me. And if this team has another gear, it's by, it's Hunter Dickinson being an elite rim protector. Yeah, 100%. That takes them to the next level because you can control the paint on both ends of the court. So either so even if Hunter Dickinson isn't scoring effectively, he's rebounding effectively. The rebounds aren't happening. He's now blocking shots effectively. The development of his game to this complete all-around masterpiece of basketball is something you could have told me this was going to happen three months ago, and I still would have laughed at you. Yeah, I mean, I would have bought that Hunter Dickinson's a good player. You know, he was like a top 100 recruit. Uh, yeah. But to see this team being where they're at, that probably would not have been something you could have convinced me of back then. This is now, it's this team and the 14 team as my favorite Michigan basketball teams ever. I mean, I love watching this team play. This is a complete team. I mean, ideally, you'd like to have a little more depth in the paint. You'd like, um, you know, Austin Davis is a capable player. You'd maybe like a little bit more out of Brandon Johns and Austin Davis. But I mean, I... I I think this is as good a team as any. And Gonzaga and Baylor are clearly the uh, the crowning jewels of this year's college basketball class. But Michigan's right there, right there. You mean the 13 team, the Trey Burke team? Uh, yeah, 13, 14 okay. being the, yeah, the, you that, yeah. yeah. That was, yeah, that team. And then 
also the the Jordan the seventeen eighteen team the Jordan Poole shot against Houston team I also adored. Yeah, I like that team more, but I would put this team and the thirteen fourteen team above that team. So that team is third place, and these two are. We'll see where this team goes. If they go Final Four, this is maybe my favorite team ever. Yeah, just the inside out presence of this team, and also Shonda Brown. Can we just have a day for him? Yeah, absolutely. Just, Let's just take a day off of work. I took today off of work. It's Shonda Brown Day. Yeah, just want to dedicate a holiday to him. Just his leadership, everything he brings. Like he had one point in this game, but I think he might have been like the third or fourth most important person because of the energy and leadership he brings to the court. He just comes off that bench and wants to impact winning. It doesn't matter yeah. if he's a flamethrower or if he's just doing, you know, a great job closing out the three-point line. He's going to do it to the best of his ability and he's a great glue guy. Like that's the kind of six man you want. He's the ultimate kind of chemistry player. Like he brings the chemistry together on the bench. He has everybody riled up when he's on the court. He's a spark plug, just barking at people, but doing it in the ways like he knows how they respond. And yeah, man, I absolutely adore Shonda Brown. Uh, we're on the same page there. Um, I'd be surprised if you disagree with me here. Turning point of the game, the uh, elbow by uh, the biggest, weakest, buzz cuttiest white boy in all of Wisconsin, Brad Davidson, who, as far as I can tell, is essentially Sid from Toy Story. Um, after that, the team comes out with a totally different energy. Uh, but the play of the game, the offensive rebound by Dickinson out to Isaiah Livers for the three to go up two, and they would never yep. trail again. Yep, agree on both counts. And I love that the turning point of the game was the elbow to Mike Smith. And then he get the next play gets drawn up to him, just showing that Michigan's going to get punched in the face sometimes, but we're coming right back at you immediately. And I, I love that energy. I love that ferocity this team showed. They could have easily rolled over. Like everyone expects you to lose this game. You haven't played in three weeks. You have all the excuses in the world. But they said, F you, we're still going to win this. Uh, little known fact, shortly after this game, Brad Davidson went and put on a pair of overalls and said disparaging comments about some women. <laughs> I, color me surprised. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, forget Brad Davidson, but he was trash in this game, and uh, he was actually a negative attribute to his team because he spurred Michigan on to win. Uh, at this point in the season, it has to be Juwan Howard's award to lose for Coach of the Year. Am I wrong? I think it's a two-coach race between Jawan Howard and Mark Few. If Gonzaga goes undefeated, then he has a case. I'm obviously biased. I think it's Jawan Howard. Michigan was picked, what, sixth in the Big Ten? Correct. And so if, but, if, but if you go undefeated at the college level, that's a, a big accomplishment too. So I can see the, it being very close. Uh, Baylor, Scott, Drew's, uh, Scott Drew, the coach at Baylor, they were preseason number two. I believe they've – have they dropped a game yet? Uh, no, they're both undefeated. See, that's where it could come in, that the undefeated. Like, if one of those teams finishes undefeated, there's a, de a debate there. But I don't see how you don't give it to Juwan Howard. Michigan has overachieved in every capacity. Like you said, preseason number one and two in college basketball. Michigan preseason number six in the Big Ten. One of these does not belong. One of them is doing more with less. Uh, we expected this from Gonzaga. They're sending a bunch of guys to the NBA. Baylor's going to send a few guys. Uh, that wasn't really expected of this Michigan team. So, um, and obviously we're biased, but to me, it's his to lose. We said before the year, if Michigan made it to the second weekend, the Sweet 16 of the tournament, it's a good season. It would be a really good stepping stone year. And now look where the team is at. Yeah. Now, what are the expectations? I mean, I just mentioned Final Four a moment ago. Yeah. Those, the, the final weekend is, are the expectations. Yeah. Basically at this point. So, yeah. I mean, 
color us biased, but what do we want to <laughs> do? We report for Michigan, and we have a, a as good a case as any. And Juwan Howard, I mean, one of the greatest living Americans. So uh, before we move on, would like to take a moment to talk about our newest sponsor, Homefield Apparel out of Indianapolis. Uh, I've been loving these guys more and more every week that we're with them. I now have my second article from Homefield. I got my t-shirt. Now I've got my hoodie. Incredibly comfortable, incredibly affordable sportswear brand. It's got the best selection that I've seen when I'm going to customize and make with the college apparel that I want to see. It's been zero degrees on average the last week. This hoodie hasn't left my back. I don't know what the average that you should go before a wash is, but I've exceeded it. Um, we've got the Michigan line absolutely covered. No matter what your sports team is, we've got you absolutely covered. Homefield is a licensed apparel company. Anything that you're looking for, check them out at homefieldapparel.com where you can get 20% off your first purchase with Maize and Brew. Okay, moving on. Um, basketball is is fully, uh, it, it's out there now. It's happening. God willing, there's no more shutdowns and uh, the rest of the schedule. It looks like we're going to miss Illinois which bums me out, but we've got Rutgers. By the time you hear this podcast, we have already played Rutgers, should be pushovers. I've got it at 75 to 62. Michigan over Rutgers, what are you thinking? I think I'm going to go 72 57. I like it. I think that we'll be rolling against Rutgers. Um, still have Iowa, um, but after, excuse me, after Rutgers, though, is at Ohio State on the 21st. That's the one. Uh, number three at number four as it stands right now. Uh, if you didn't know, uh, Michigan and Ohio State aren't exactly uh, the best of friends. That could be news. So this should be, uh, <laughs> this should be one worth watching. 11 a.m. Uh, mountain Time that time. So um, that will make it 1 o'clock p.m. Eastern Standard Time on the 21st can't wait for that's the can't miss game that for all the games they miss i'm so glad this one wasn't missed and i am i have no doubt that this team is going to come out ready for that one to make a statement right before the big 10 tournament and right before the ncaa tournament this is where you make a big time statement oh yeah michigan's gonna want that one and i love that there'll be two games against good ranked opponents before then i've got michigan by 12 in that game i think michigan is a far superior team to ohio state although they do have a great resume yeah, they do. Ohio State has overachieved as well this season, so it'll be it's a fun game. And you know, Michigan State's still terrible, so I love that. Oh, they're terrible. They lost by thirty to Iowa. Thirty. <laughs> Garza just scored again. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. And uh, you know, I understand some of the correlations that are being drawn. Like, oh, Michigan State was a terrible football team when we saw them. The difference was Michigan also was a terrible football team. This is a very, very good Michigan basketball team. I do not expect that much of a letdown. Michigan State might play as closer than you imagine, but yeah, different that's scenario. just a silly, lazy comparison. Just trying to draw parallels out of thin air. No, there, there's nothing to do from this. Not a bubble shortened season. There's like none of that matters. This Michigan basketball team is legitimately good, and we're in the national title hunt. And the football team was only the national title hunt when we played Minnesota. So big difference yeah, here. Yeah, yeah. They were vastly, vastly different teams, vastly different circumstances. Um, Hopefully this season, I would love it if by sometime in March we could have fans in the stands. That would be that would be a lot of fun, but might be asking too much. Um, all right, uh, we're going to pivot to football. We've got a really great second half of the pod where we're going to talk about defensive depth chart. Um, but I needed to touch on the transfer portal first uh, before we get into our discussion about this defense where Ben Van Summeren and Adam Shibley have left. And that's, uh, you know, there's been a lot of movement at defensive tackle and linebacker. 
But these guys, based on what we're going to talk about in the second half of the season, I don't think these guys were going to play too much. And that's a great thing because uh, Ben Van Summeren was went from linebacker to running back to linebacker. I believe was actually ahead of Hassan Haskins on the running back depth chart two years ago, which is bananas. And Adam Shibley, I didn't know who this person was right. until last season. Like, who, who is that in the game? What are we doing? <laughs> All right, good Chris Vernon reference. <laughs> uh, I agree. These are guys, I mean, with Alex Van Summeren, who was the higher-rated defensive tackle. Uh, ben, his brother's Alex. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I was saying with Alex oh, I got you. it makes sense that Ben would transfer. Um, they might try and go to the same place. Uh, it looks like that's what they were trying to do in the first place. Um, but Ben Van Summeren, the only thing that Ben Van Summeren had on Alex Van Summeren was he looked like a, a much larger um, Billy Zane. And Ben Van Summeren is not winning the handsome pool. But <laughs> neither here nor there. Um, the fact of the matter is we're going to talk about it in the second half. Uh, ben Van Summeren nor Alex Van Summeren fit the 3-4, 4-3 under that we're moving to. So this makes sense. And Shibley, time to make way because we got, like you said, that guy probably shouldn't have been playing in the first place. No, what are you doing on Who the field? Who is this? Who is it? There's catering in the back, son. Like, <laughs> what are you doing out here on the field? No, that was, yeah. The team, we're going to get into it, is adjusting more to a more athletic scheme, 3-4, three, 4-3 four, four, three under. And, yeah, best of luck to these guys, but this isn't one where I was like, oh, man, I can't believe this is happening. No, no. It was only mentioned because we're going to do a, a deep dive here in the second half of this pod. So we're going to take our break a little early when we come back. Uh, really excited for this discussion about the defense, what we think the depth chart looks like, and what we think they're going to be running in Ann Arbor in 2021. We'll be back right after this. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors in life, whether they be big, small, or anywhere in between. And when we keep those bottled up, it can start to affect us in a negative way. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched up with a licensed therapist, and if for some reason that therapist isn't working out for you, you can switch at any time for no additional charge. Get life's challenges off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Block M to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Block M. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. All right. Welcome back to Out of the Blue. In the second half of this podcast, we're going deep, so we're not going to waste any of your time. We're getting in on this defense and if you've listened to this podcast for a while, you know that although we are huge fans of the offense, I would have to say this is probably a defensive-friendly pod, is it not? I would say so. Most of our favorite players have always played defense, and I don't know, it's the Midwest in us or what, we just love us some hardcore defensive slugfests. 
yeah, I prefer defense to offense. And uh, I mean, it, it's tough, though, because every now and again, you'll get a guy. But uh, we've also had a defense in the past couple years that has been what we hung our hat on, even under Brady Hoke. So for what happened last year in that truncated, awful disaster of a season to happen, I'm ready for this defense to bounce back. And I'm going to start with a hot take. This hot take is the Michigan defense will be the most improved def- defense in the country next year. Well, they finished 92nd last year. Yeah, so it's not that crazy. <laughs> I I fully support this. I I like what Mike McDonald's doing you know, from the outside right now. Do I know the X's and O's of it? I don't, but the good thing is I know someone that does. Ah, well, I don't know that I know it, but we are going to get into that, and let's get into it now before we go into this depth chart. So wanted to kind of talk about what we expect to see under Mike McDonald because it's been difficult to look at this depth chart and predict what you're going to see unless you first know what they're going to be running. So we did a little bit of a deep dive on what to expect, and um, a lot of people have been saying it's the 3-4, but if you look at what the Ravens have been running almost since 2014, it's something that's come from, I mean, it's got a long lineage. It's what the Seahawks run. Uh, it's similar to the Tampa 2. It's not necessarily a 3-4. It's more of a 4-3 under. And we're not going to get too crazy into what that means. But basically, to put this simply, you're only going to have one true defensive tackle out there. And it's more of a one-gap versus two-gap system. So is that? I, I, do we need to break it down a little bit more than that? I think it was pretty good. I think it was a good description okay. of it. We want to simplify it. This isn't the podcast for X's and O's. That's not necessarily what we do. But it is important to understand this. So if you look at what the Baltimore Ravens like to do on defense and what they've liked to have done in the past couple of years, it's not necessarily that there's three huge guys on the line and then four traditional linebackers spread out. If you look at guys on their roster, and we should be familiar with some of them, like Chris Wormley, Matthew Judon, they're big guys that are also athletic. So one of these guys is not going to be a traditional linebacker, and it's going to change from play to play. But expect to see big, tall, athletic, versatile guys versus big space-plugging gap guys, you know, like the Willie Henrys of the world and stuff like that. So that also explains some of the departures we've seen. There's only probably going to be one true defensive nose tackle on the field at a time. Yeah. Do you want us to go ahead and get into it? Uh, yeah, let's go into it. And I and I think that the, the other part of this before we get into it is that this shift has to be intentional because when I looked at this and looked at the type of defense, this defense, especially the front seven, is actually set up for this. So, yes, let's get into it. It's like that Michigan got Mike McDonald because he could come in here and maximize the talent already there. So already strengthening the transitional window and plugging these players in. So I'm I'm very excited. And you mentioned they're going to have one D tackle on the field. So let's just go ahead and start with it. I think we're in agreement here. You could see some rotation, but I think starter day one has to be Chris Hinton with his size. I think so as well. And he also fits the mold of this four, three under where he's a guy that could be moved around a little bit. So I wouldn't be surprised if you did see true defensive tackles out there. If you have Mozzie Smith in there or Donovan Jeter, more likely as your number two. Um, and then Chris Hinton with his build, he fits what they're trying to do. He could move as like a rush end or a strong side end in this. So yes, I think Chris Hinton's your number one. I think Donovan Jeter's your two. Uh, Mozzie Smith is your three, but watch out for uh, either George Rooks or Rayshon Benny to pass him. It's nice to have some talent there. And Mozzie Smith came on and showed some flashes late in the season. And it's hard to really 
take anything in permanent ink from what happened in the 2020 season. It was weird, and we've mostly blocked out most of it anyway, but this system is really set up for Chris Hinton to shine. Any of these D-tackles, whoever is starting getting the most reps, they should shine here. Absolutely. If you look at the Baltimore Ravens snap count from last year, their most impactful defensive tackle was Calais Campbell. So it is nice to have a big guy that can take up space. But like we were saying, this is a guy that needs to be a one gap guy because people are going to be crashing down from both the linebacker and that Leo spot. So Chris Hinton makes a lot of sense. Expect him to move around. Mozzie Smith, if he takes a jump, could be huge in this because you still want a big guy in the middle there, uh, especially like a guy that can hold his own against the center and uh, and plug up the line. So uh, this this switch really helps the defensive tackle group because if we were saying that we need to have a four deep in a 4-3, traditional 4-3 at defensive tackle, I don't like this as a four deep. I like it if it's uh, it needs to be a, about a three deep. Exactly. And by four deep, you mean we have two tackles on the field and then two more to rotate and Correct. give them relief. And no, this system is perfect for that and really helps – Makes me feel a lot better about the defensive tackle depth as we look in the transfer portal. Absolutely. 100%. I no longer think you necessarily need a defensive tackle transfer now. Um, if you get one of Benny or Rooks, that can be rotational this year. Because Hinton, Jeter, and then Smith is no longer quite as daunting as Hinton with Smith as his backup, Jeter a starter with Benny as his backup. Because that's what it would look like in a 4-3. That's worrisome. Is very worse. I mean, this lowers the pressure on the younger guys too. Kind of shortens the lengthens the learning curve, so they can take some more time to get in there. But this does put more pressure on the sole starter. Absolutely. All right, let's move to the defensive ends because I think this is the group that benefits the most from this. It's either them or the linebackers, um, because like we were talking about the Ravens, that's what we have to compare them to. So that's what we're going to compare them to. If you look at their their top tacklers from last year, I have this stat brought up. Number one tackler was Patrick Queen, listed as an outside linebacker. All right. After that, oh, sorry, let me bring it up here. Um, after that, you've got safeties, cornerback, safety, cornerback as your next leading tacklers. The next eight top tacklers on this Ravens team are all listed as outside linebacker or defensive end because those things are going to start to kind of be one in the same with a lot of these players. I love that. I wish we had eight linebackers on this roster I trusted, but right. <laughs> I definitely love that. And the interchangeability and the positional versatility from end to linebacker benefits this offense. I mean, this, I'm sorry, this defense a ton. We have players like Ojabo, Taylor Upshaw, uh, Welshoff, who can be versatile and move around. Absolutely. Those are the names, too, that I think benefit the most from this. You look at big guys, Upshaw, McGregor, Hutchinson, all over 6'4" all of them considered elite athletes that can move around the line. This makes perfect sense. So your rush end number one, um, I think Taylor Upshaw is going to be on the field a lot. I've got him um, until Braden McGregor passes him. I'll take Upshaw as one of your rush ends. You're going to see a lot of, um, and then I got Braden McGregor. Um, I think David Ojabo could be your Josh Uche. Um, and with this defense, expect to see more of like a Josh Uche or David Ojabo as a linebacker and less of like a Michael Barrett as a linebacker. You're going to want bigger guys that could be rush ends or linebackers. So I like David Ojabo in this as well. Yeah, I could easily see David Ojabo being one of the three, four linebackers on the field at once with the way he moves up and down. And I'm also going to mention, mention Junior Colson here. 
because like I said, rush end and linebacker, they're going to blur a little bit. And Junior Colson's the guy. We're going to talk about him a lot in this one. Um, to your traditional defensive end, it's Aiden Hutchinson, number it's, one, right? Yeah, walking walking away. Like, don't even ask me that. <laughs> no, no, it's ridiculous. Welshoff will be there. He'll provide depth. Um, Chris Jenkins is a name that you could watch for. But McGregor here is the guy, whether he's playing that kind of Leo rush end one or he's playing the traditional five-tech defensive end, McGregor is a guy that I expect to be in this defense's plans moving forward. Yeah, McGregor's going to see the field in 2021. Injured last year, took the red shirt. Absolute dog out of high school. We love this guy. And yeah, he's going to be on the field. I think he'll be impactful right away. I think so too. I think you're going to see him where you're going to see him. I don't know if I had to bet right now, I would say that they put Welshoff in that rush end, maybe Taylor Upshaw followed by Welshoff. And then it's Aiden Hutchinson McGregor backing him up, but that's just a guess. Um, this, this is a very, very like plug and play move guys around type of defense. So even what we predict is probably going to see, you're going to see guys taking snaps all over. Yeah, I think so too. And with this defense, the new scheme, I feel a ton better about the defensive line. I feel so much better up there and the way they can move Ojabo and McGregor around this. I feel great about that. Now, I think when we get into linebackers, this is where it's going to come down to if this defense is going to be elite next year. I agree, and let's move there. So in this 4-3 under, it's not a traditional 3-4, so you wouldn't see four like traditional A.J. Hawk-type linebackers out there. That's not necessarily what it means. One of these linebackers is going to be kind of a hybrid. He'll either be rushing the passer or closing down on running lanes. There's going to be a lot of crashing. Or this guy will be somebody that can drop back a little bit or cover a tight end or uh, cover a running back that's swinging out on the side. So at inside linebacker, go ahead and uh, put Josh Ross in, but I'm not putting him in in pen yet. No, like, I, I, I believe you pencil him in there. There, There is talent on this roster, although inexperienced, but Josh Ross's experience is going to make him a starter. I think so too. And you're going to want a guy in this defense because they're going to have gap responsibilities. We were talking about one yep. gap versus two gap. Uh, your inside linebackers need to be able to come in and cover gaps effectively. So because of that, I think Josh Ross, and this maybe fits Josh Ross a little better. If, if I you think can so too. Kind of, yeah, if you can hide him in coverage and he's just coming downhill most of the time, I think that helps it. Who's behind him, though, do you think? I, I've always loved Hill Green, Nikai Hill Green, and Cornell Wheeler. I like Nikai Hill Green a lot. I think yeah. behind him, though, is Cleo Mullings. Just talent's going to win out. I think he's going to see, I think this defense is going to suit him very well in the versatility he possesses. So that's what I'm looking at next. I'm looking at Kalela Mullings as well. Um, I also like the other name you said, I think Hill green could be a really good coverage linebacker, which could be very useful in this scheme. That might not be best for inside linebacker. There's going to be two of them though. Yeah. So uh, Josh Ross and Mullings, probably the first two on the field. Um, I've got Cornell Wheeler a little bit above that. So I would not be surprised if it's Ross Wheeler, Ross Mullings, but expect Hill Green to play as well, maybe in the outside linebacker spot though. But how about the wild card in the room that we all know about, Lance Dixon from Penn State? Let's talk about this guy because as inside or potentially your outside guy as an edge rusher, uh, this is a four-star guy. He's currently at Penn State. He's in the transfer portal. As of right now, it's a 100% crystal ball to Michigan. Uh, 6'2", 213 at the time he was recruited. So you better believe he's around at least 220 now. This is a guy that could come in and could take Josh Ross's, Ross's snaps or 
be your other inside linebacker, which would be fantastic. If if we get this guy, he's starting. Absolutely. He's coming there for a reason. Uh, I believe, which coach did he play for in high school? Who was it? Uh, it was Bellamy, was it not? Yeah, I believe it was Bellamy he played for in high school, so there's already a connection there, and he would not be coming to Michigan to sit on the bench. No, I don't think so either, and this is a guy that's tailor-made for what you want to do at linebacker. Uh, think less A.J. Hawk, more Terrell Suggs of what you're looking for, and that's uh, more of an athletic pass rusher that, if need be, can drop into coverage every now and again, and that's Lance Dixon. Um, and it's not necessarily Josh Ross. Um, everybody else, and we've recruited linebacker extremely well. This is a position that if you look at the names, you're like, oh, wow, four-star, 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 four-star. And then you, you just kind of hope for the development there. Uh, but this is a guy, Lance Dixon, that would come in and probably pass a lot of guys. There's a reason you've seen a lot of transfers come out of the linebacking room. They, they're realizing they're getting passed up. This new scheme doesn't fit them, and they're gone. Lance Dixon could come in here, and you pair him with Michael Barrett's athleticism as well. I mean, Michigan's got a ton, ton of athletes in the middle of this defense. Now it's whether or not they can, you know, fulfill the versatile requirements that McDonald's going to demand of them. Absolutely. So yeah, you're going to want bigger guys here. So that doesn't necessarily help guys like Michael Barrett, but there's got to be packages where you can utilize Michael Barrett too. So we'll see what happens with him. But moving to outside linebacker, once again, in this scheme, you're going to want big guys because these outside linebackers could also double as edge rushers. Once again, um, right here at number one, here's my first like heat check prediction. I think Junior Colson is on the field a ton this year. 6'2", true freshman, but he's already at like 220. If he can get up to 230, um, he's going to be one of the best athletes on the field. He'll be behind Dax Hill, but that'll be about it. Oh, I love this. I love your Junior Colson bullishness. Yeah, I'm bullish on Junior Colson. I think that this is a guy that you're counting on this year. McGrone-like jump. Oh, okay. I I don't hate that. I, I don't I don't see it for me personally, just being how young he is. But I do. I am very bullish on his talent. I just don't think he'll see the field quite so fast. Depends if we get Dixon or not, that might change things around yeah. a little bit, but with what they're trying to do moving forward, him and Cornell Wheeler and Mullings to a degree, they fit what they're trying to do. Yeah. So those are guys that are going to get hard looks and Colson, I think as a freshman is going to play more than a lot of defensive freshmen. Yeah. And it's also important to remember that Ojabo could be taking one of these spots as well. Yes. Also, like we were talking about earlier, these are spots that are going to blend together. Ojabo, Junior Colson are names to watch. Behind that, we still got the smaller guys, Anthony Solomon and Michael Barrett on the roster. And I'm struggling to see where they fit, but Michael Barrett's a guy you'd really like to keep. Yeah, a lot of talent. If he can put on a little more size, I think he'll fit right in, to be honest. I mean, he could also play safety in a pinch. Exactly. So he's got that with him. I think he has the versatility to do both. And He'll finally be playing a position maybe better suited for him because he didn't have the Viper skills that Peppers or Hudson had. Yeah, I don't want to blame it on him last year. There was so much going wrong. Yes. I mean, if he had Maurice Hurst than Chris Wormley on that team, I think he'd be a great Viper. Makes a big difference when you have that pass rushing help. Yep, absolutely. So uh, linebacker defensive end, this is the position to watch. Um, they're going to blend a lot. Um, of the guys that we just mentioned, who's one or maybe two names that you think take a big jump? Braden McGregor, I think, is going to make an impact this season. I'll He's stake a lot that. on that. Yep. And I'll also say I think one of these backers. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna keep riding it. Nikai Hill Green. 
I'm going to make that my other guy. I think he's going to make an impact this season. This new system fits his size, fits his build. Those are mine. What are yours? I like that pick of Hill Green. I think he's a year away. Yeah. I think he'll be one of the bigger guys this year. Um, so I already mentioned Junior Colson. I'm going to ride with him. Um, I also think this this defense is, is so ready-made for McGregor and Upshaw. So I like both of those guys. Uh, we chose Ojabo last year. I'm not doing that again. Yeah. So <laughs> And off that train. Um, and since you said McGregor, um, he's on my list for sure. I think that him, uh, is, he's got to be somebody you watch. But I think Upshaw. I think Upshaw is going to really like what they're doing here. And he might not have crazy stats, but I think he fits what they're trying to do. And he's going to be on the field a lot. And he's going to have a really productive Chris Wormley type year. I forget what game it was, but I was so impressed last season when he chased down a running back, it might have been Rutgers, chased down a running back at the goal line and caught him from behind down the middle, like the two or the one. And Michigan ended up stopping them or forcing them to a field goal. And that, yep. just that alone is going to make him see the field. And I, I wrote up an article on him when he committed to Michigan. And I believe he only picked up football halfway through high school. Yeah. So he's a guy that's still learning the game. Yeah. And you brought up the play that made me think he's going to excel in this. They love Matthew Judon there in Baltimore because his ability to, if you need him to get out and cut off an angle of a, a running back who's gotten outside or a wide receiver, a tight end that's gotten outside. So that's why I think he's going to play a lot. And yeah. I think that we just saw a little bit of his potential. And now you tailor make the defense to him. I really think that he's a guy that's going to shine. So I'll go Upshaw and Junior Colson, but I love your picks as well. Yeah, dude, that Upshaw pick is huge. I just think the way he can run, he's going to see the field, whether it be at traditional you know, defensive end or that versatile linebacker position. Absolutely. All right, let's move to where we have a little bit less confidence. Let's go cornerback, and then we'll end with safety. And then we still have to do special teams this week because we put it off. Oh, we do. Um, at least, hey, at least we don't talk about Quinn Nordine anymore. No, we do not. But I didn't do any research. I was so focused on the four three under. I was trying to learn its history. Like, yeah, yeah. So I'm <laughs> I mean, you're ready for... in the bathtub, grinding tape, cigarette hanging oh. off your lip. Dalton Trumbo, baby. <laughs> All right, let's move to cornerback though. Where um, no matter the scheme that you switch to, you still need to have at least two quality cornerbacks. And this is the room that I said last week I was going to talk some major smack about. But if things are improved in the front seven, we might have enough at corner? I believe so, too. And also, I brought up this point earlier to you during the day that they're not going to be playing on an island anymore. Asked to guard elite athletes one-on-one -on -one when they're not ready, when their technique is not solid yet. Not everybody is Jordan Lewis, and you can't treat him that way. So finally, they're going to actually have some safety help, not just be put in unwinnable situations, especially when there is no pass rush to help you. Yeah, yeah I 100% agree that a lot of the, the flack that came against the cornerback room last year would have been prevented with even a marginal pass rush. Those two things are tied hand in hand more than I would think the maybe even the the average fan realizes. Um, you know, you have to really watch it and realize like, oh, that's an extra one second he has on average to get the ball out. What does that do for your completion percentage? So that yeah. makes a huge difference. And um, Don Brown's defense and looking at it and making these two comparisons, everything works if you have the best player at every position. It even <laughs> that way with the def defensive tackle when I'm looking at it, because you're not asking your defensive tackles to like necessarily pressure the quarterback, but you're asking them to hold their own every time against no matter what 
formation they're running, but you're asking your cornerbacks every single time to cover man on man. So like it all plays into to one another. Like everybody has to be one of the best at their job. And this was no more apparent than a cornerback when we didn't have Jordan Lewis. We didn't even have David Long. <laughs> no help and didn't have a pass rush. Our whole entire defensive line was depleted. So these guys were just left out to dry most of the year. And while yeah, it could be better. It's not as bad as it looked last season. I promise you that. Yeah, uh, I'm still not excited about it, but I was ready to come in and talk nothing but smack. I'm willing to allow some optimism to creep in here. So let's start with our number one and number two cornerback. As of right now, let's be boring, and I think you'll agree with me. It's green and gray until we see otherwise, right? Yep, same ones come back from last year. Uh, gray, obviously, well-documented struggles, but green impressed me game in and game out last season. Yeah, uh, the only difference being we now have green at one and gray at two, correct? Correct. Yeah. Saw enough last season to make that distinction. (laughs) Right. Uh, Gray didn't show me much at all last year. Green showed me that he can stick with a guy. He needs to improve his ball skills, uh, decision-making. We had some really tough calls on pass interference um, last year. I mean, it was noticeable. And some of them were warranted, but a lot of them were things that we got away with, with David Long and Jordan Lewis. I mean, they taught him to be handsy there. That was kind of how they, like the veteran ones get away with it, but the young guys didn't. We didn't get away with much last year. Uh, but I think Jamon Green will come in and he could get supplanted as the number one, and that would be the best thing for this defense. But he's at worst your number two. Um, Vincent Gray, I think, is going to get played out. I think he'll get beat out. I'm interested to watch how he bounces back. I'm I'm not going to write him off. I could very well see it, but if he has, you know, the intestinal fortitude and the the mindset to come back through, man, I would love to see it. Now, this is completely random and off the wall, but how awesome would it be? We have Gamon Green, his brother, I believe, is a safety. Jermon Green, mm-hmm. Vincent Gray, Darian Green, Warren. Nikai yeah. Hill Green, if we could get a Mr. Blue, I mean, we have the Reservoir Dogs of defense right here in front of us. That's not bad, but they're mostly greens. Who I know, lots Green? of green. We have Our secondary could almost be Reservoir Dogs with the green and the gray. Who was Mr. Green and Reservoir Dogs? You there wasn't a Mr. Cooper? Green, no. There wasn't even a Mr. Green, so we can't go Reservoir Dogs themed. Maybe we could just go like the total troll on MSU, the all-green defense. That's true. I mean, is there a Mr. Green in uh, Clue? Like, I don't know. No, there's not. Okay. There is, there is no Mr. Green. Yeah, yeah, that's not a thing. But if we had nothing but a secondary of greens and we somehow like intercepted Michigan State three or four times, that would be a nice troll. But that other would, than that, I don't – green isn't my favorite color. I hate I hate it, but we just have a lot of them. <laughs> we just have a lot of them. I don't know what to do about it. <laughs> so it's like, like, it's like, don't take this personally, but I just hate this color. I think it's an abomination to color you're awful. Blue, your tops. Yeah. <laughs> Look, and that's where we lie on this. But um, the, one of the guys you mentioned, though, Green Warren, is the reason I think that uh, Vincent Gray loses the job. This is a former four-star out of California. He's six foot. He's fast. I think this guy, he was a true freshman last year. You don't really see that at corner. I think this guy's going to earn a – I'm just picking the talent here at cornerback. I, yeah. I have no other choice. I'm picking the talent to win out, and I think Green Warren is a guy to win out here. I think he will eventually win out. I love that, and we, it'd be remiss if we didn't mention Jalen Perry, DJ Turner, and Sammy Fawson, who I believe all three saw playing time last year in musical chairs in the secondary, and they're trying to find somebody to cover a receiver. 
Yep. And uh, Jaden McBurrows is another name as well. So there are names there, but I feel like the last couple of years we've been saying this, like about these same names, like Jalen Perry, just a name, Green Warren, a name, DJ Turner, just a name. One of these guys has to step up. I mean, yep. there's by the law of averages, somebody's got to rise to the top here. I'm picking Green Warren because he's the highest rated. Um, hopefully, you know, a change of scenery amongst the defensive coaching staff is what he needed. But I think I, I'm, I'm high on him. I think the cornerback room will have the single biggest improvement among any position group on this team. And also it fits because it was the lowest position group last year on this team. Right. We're not saying much with these things. I think it improved because of the front seven production though. I'm Absolutely. Not, I'm not necessarily sold on gray or green as NFL guys. No, but that pass rush will do so much. And also they're not going to be left on islands again. Like I right. can't, exactly. can't, we can't beat this drum enough. Like this is going to make a difference. I put slot corner in here and I put one name there. Andre Selvin. Walk away. No more needs Walk to be away. said. Just set it down. When you need a slot corner, I think Andre Selden's your guy starting this year. We wanted him to play last year. Yeah. We just, because you and I were just like watching his tape as we ate Wheaties in the morning, just ready to go attack our like <laughs> mundane business lives. Like, oh, let's go. He's just yeah. yelling at people. The kid's just a dog, man. Yeah. I got a spreadsheet I need to dominate later, but first I'm going to watch some seldom, some Andre Selden highlights. It's like, oh, you see that Microsoft office? Yeah. Yeah. Let's go. I'm going to chop some wooden blocks and then I'm going to go tackle that Excel spreadsheet. But Selden's that kind of guy. He's a culture guy. And when he can be on the field, when he fits, he's going to be on the field. Third downs, passing downs. I think this guy could stick with your slot guy. He could stick with a he could stick with a tight end and be there to just disrupt it, even though he's small. He's gonna play. I'm he not is even gonna play. Name there. He's he's your prototypical Jim Harbaugh just football player. Like he's going to be on the field. Yeah, absolutely. Um, at safety, I think this is a position group we both feel good about. Number one and number two are unquestioned here, so we saved it for last. Um, but the rotation could be interesting. Yeah, walking away, Dax Hill, Brad Hawkins. And I think this is a very important Brad Hawkins season because he struggled last year. We thought he was going to be the best or second best player on the defense. I will say Brad Hawkins this year is within your top three tacklers on the team. I'm putting that and I, I want that locked in stone. I love that. Just carve it in. Yeah, carve that in. I think your number one tackler this season is one of your linebackers. Whoever rises to the top could be Josh Ross. Uh, but your number two is going to be Brad Hawkins, I think, because I think he will excel in this. I think that he'll play downhill and they'll let Daxton Hill handle the coverage. You'll see Makari Page when they need that to happen. But Brad Hawkins is also going to be brought up towards the line because he is one of our best tacklers, best uh, run diagnosers and not his best season last year. But nobody had their best season last year. He wasn't the reason this defense failed. No. And to your point. He's going to be put in more positions to succeed. So playing close, closer to the line of scrimmage, diagnosing the run, not in coverage as much as he was last season at all. And Dax Hill is going to be able to excel because of his speed. He's going to be all over the field. I think this could be a big ball hawk season for Dax Hill. We need that. We have really been towards the back half and even beyond of the NCAA and turnovers the last couple of years. And that's been a big reason for this team's like kind of steady decline since 2016 as we're not forcing turnovers daxton hill is really the only known ball hawk on the team so uh, you can't lean on one guy to get all the turnovers you got to get guys out there that can make game-changing plays 
I don't know if that's Brad Hawkins. I don't know if it's McCarty Page, but Daxton Hill's one of them. He's the best player on this defense, I would say. Between he and Hutchinson. Yeah, it's he and Hutch, and Daxton Hill played all year last year, so I'm taking Dax Hill. Very true. Would you say Michigan's best ball hawk of the Harbaugh era was Josh Metellus? Because he had several pick sixes. He did. Lewis had the most noticeable, like the most noteworthy. I'm talking of sa- at safety, though, just like a ball. Oh, at safety. safety. Yeah. At, at, oh, yeah. No problem. Absolutely. I'd say that. Yeah. yeah. Dax Hill is probably already there. Yeah. Um, even in a bad season last year, he had a couple plays where he was right around the ball and either forced a turnover or got the turnover himself. Hawkins, maybe not as much. They had some miscommunications where Hawkins should have had one. Yep. I remember that one where it came down in Hawkins' hands, but there was like a phantom pass interference. Um, so yeah. Hawkins has a big season. You're right. He's one of the guys that if he wants to go to the NFL, this is your season. Yeah, a lot to show here. And Dax Hill had some drops last year and some, some – like I said, last season, it didn't happen. So a big season from the safeties. One of the position groups I feel the best about on this entire team, though. Yeah, absolutely. And um, if you can find a way to utilize that, you got R.J. Moten waiting in the wings, who I think is going to be a player for us. So – uh, the depth here is great at safety, and we expect more out of that position group this year. I want I want five takeaways from the safeties this year. I like I it. Five. I like that. Yeah, I want five from the, from the safeties. I want like eight from the corners, and I want – yeah. No, I want, I want a turnover turnaround this year. That's what we need to see if this defense is going to be successful. I want turnovers, and I want sacks. I want penetration. Um, we can't put this on cornerbacks to be man-to-man, and that's what we're we're relying on every week. We always rely on good penetration here. <laughs> God bless you, sir. Do you have anything for uh, special teams? I'm in no way prepared for this. I spent the whole time on the 4-3 under. Jake Moody at kicker. Yeah. I mean, we almost have to. We got the freshman um, who was once again one of the number one rated kickers. But freshman kickers? Eh, I don't yeah. know. Jake, Jake Moody at kicker. Jake Moody at punter. Kick returner Giles Jackson. No, we got Brad Robbins still, don't we? Is he still around? All right, well, let's do a quick Google search. My God, we were obviously not ready for this. but Brad, I think, uh, Yeah, yeah uh, we've like got – First result was an Australian basketball player. <laughs> That's the problem is I don't think our special teams are going to be very good next year. Like even losing Nordine, which you and I might say is a net positive. Oh, yeah, Brad Robbins, we're waiting to see. He was a senior, but I get he gets the COVID year if he wants it. All right. So basically, I think he left. I, th- I think he left though for some reason. All right. Well, let's uh, let's hold off on special teams then. We can do punt returner, kick returner right now. We'll do the kickers when we see who's coming back. Because until we hear, we just really don't know. Jake Moody's going to probably be your starter as far as uh, field goals and extra points. Uh, yeah. Let's do punt returner, kick returner because there's a ton of names here. Yeah. No, it was Will Hart that was gone, so maybe Robbins is back, but. I believe it's Robbins as your punter. Moody yeah. As your there we go. All right, now we're cooking with gas, boys. Yeah, now uh, we know. Now we got it. Talk through that. Um, punt returner is going to be a fun run, a fun one. Uh, for kick returners, I have Giles Jackson and A.J. Henning still. I like that a lot. Um, yeah. Don't If it isn't broke, don't fix it. Keep Giles yep. Jackson on kick return until the, the man leaves. I mean, he's averaged one a year, probably should have more. Yep. Um, at punt returner, you're going to get a lot of options. Uh, I think Giles Jackson might have enough trust this year to take punt return duties. He might. There's also names to watch, such as 
what Xavier a, Worthy is is a guy that is he's going to be the fastest guy on the team the moment he arrives on campus. Blake Corum, Donovan Edwards, like there's names. Oh, I mean, we've got speed all over. Roman Wilson. Yeah. So I mean, this is going to be a fun one to watch. Who do they trust the most, uh, Giles or Roman Wilson? I really like both of those guys. So I'm going to go with those names. But AJ Henning makes a lot of sense too. Yeah, a lot of talent. So I I would say starting kick returners are Giles Jackson, AJ Henning. And punt returner for now to be boring is Giles. I will say Xavier Worthy gets in on kick returns too fast. Nice. I love it, dude. There's so much speed on this team. So much speed. Yeah. I noticed they were all wide receivers minus Corum and Edwards, who are also burners. Yeah. Yeah. Corum is, I, I, I want to say Corum had a punt return. I think it might have been a fair catch, but I want to say he was back there for a game or two when Jackson was hurt. Yeah. They trust him. So, um, well, that's going to do it for this week, but next week we're going to get even deeper on some of the things we just discussed because we're going to talk about some of the position battles that you should be watching moving forward. And that one you just mentioned is one that'll be hot on that list uh, between uh, the both punt returning duties and the number two running back as well between Corum and Edwards, guys that uh, there's just only so many touches on the team. So I'm excited to get into that. This was a good discussion. I like this. It was good, and credit to you. Just, you know, hats off for your effort diving into the 4-3 under and filling gaps and penetration and all that. Just knock us out of the park. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, normally we're just talking about, you know, the best Kurt Russell movies and, uh, you know, who has the best hair on the team. So I thought maybe one of our podcasts should have some actual football information. We're still going to get into the hair. We don't want to let the fans oh, down and best yeah, names and nicknames are coming. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, we're waiting on the uh, on the nicknames until we see some of the play. We need to know who we're giving nicknames to. Correct. I'm not giving McKay Hill Green a nickname yet. No, he might not start. And we can rank the greens eventually. Who is the best green? Ooh, yes. The green room, we'll call that. Yes, nice. I love it. Yeah, yeah. We'll rank the greens at some point. But uh, it is nice now, like being in, actually talking about the season. Uh, It's getting more exciting. And you didn't even need to convince me on the optimism front this week. Kind of talked myself into it. I I love that. As soon as we got to the defense and talking corners, like I was going to come in here and spew some heat. But I'm coming around. (laughs) I am coming around. I'm still not sold on cornerbacks whatsoever. But the rest of the defense, I think there's too much talent. I mean, I'm I'm saying if we don't go from at least 92 to 42 in defense, like what are we doing? What once that first hype video hits and we see them hitting something? Oh boy, that's it. That's it. It's over. 11 and one right now. 11 and one. Let's go. Let's go. All right, brother, this was a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to the deep dive on the roster as we get closer to spring football. Uh, Make sure that you check out the Brewcast. That'll be out. um, Actually, that'll already be out by the time this comes out on Friday, breaking down uh, Michigan basketball and the Michigan basketball game against Rutgers, which will have already happened at this point. But make sure that you like, share, subscribe, Maze and Brew, wherever you go, whether that be Spotify, Apple Music, wherever follow us on twitter at mazen brew i am jared that is andy this is out of the blue we'd like to remind you that wherever you go go blue